Welcome to South London Hardcore. I'm Jack McEnroe. I'm here with Steve Walsh. Hello. And this week, we're going to be rounding up some news. Some news special. Before we get started though, Steve, let me just ask you a question. What is the purpose of this show? I think it is to correct a popular misconception about South London, but not in a way that's designed to improve property prices. Okay. So I want to tell the truth about South London, but not in a way that people go, oh, you know, we should definitely move there and stage. And so I go, that's great, I can add an extra eight grand to that house because that happened there. But on the other hand, I think people need to know that South London is more than the stories that the news choose to tell you, which are invariably the bad stories. I mean, today, uh, we've done a news special. I've deliberately avoided anything related to crime because it's so interesting to me. I don't understand oh, the fascination. Crime story, well, that's yeah. good because it's a balance and people love it, don't they? Like when we worked in a bookshop, um, we had uh, the true crime section and I always found it just so disheartening how... And my own mum is fascinated by... Uh, Your own dear old my mum. My own mother is fascinated. But it just leaves me so cold. I mean, having said that, uh, one of my favourite things ever, let alone subcategories, my mum is From Hell, uh, the graphic novel, comic, call it what you will. Uh, call it a comic, please. Don't call it a comic. Call it a comic. There's no call comic it. about ah, it, is there? But it's the thing. It's uh, not exactly the funny pages, It's is it? not... You, you know, you could argue that. It's not about the crimes crimes form a backdrop and it being um, Alan Moore's Jack the Ripper yeah tome yeah. and you know we're going to be talking about another show so we won't go into huge detail here but yeah just I'm always disheartened at how fascinated we are by crime as a species do you like the fact that your dad looks a lot like William Goh on the cover of uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's one of my fascinations with the story isn't it so you're basically Steve you're here to entertain and inform Reefian values yeah, absolutely. I'm not. Are you not? I need to make some money, Steve. <sighs> I know, it always comes down to the money. The tawdry commercial. No, last year I spent four grand on a wedding, and that was just my part of it, and three grand on making a film, right? I need to get out of my overdrafts, which yeah. is why, right? I'm not going to go on about sponsorship again, because no one's interested in sponsoring that, are they? You say that, um, I can announce now, and I, I didn't tell you this, actually, are you a quid? Because we've actually got our first two sponsors. Well, actually, our first three sponsors, because I'm going to do a sponsorship shout-out in a moment um, that's not paid for. It's, no, uh, we'll get gift. it out of the way then, Steve, if it's not well, paid yeah, for. Yeah, let's, let's, let's so do it. Then I can get back to talking about you money. Can get, get on track. Um, this episode is brought to you on behalf of Lauren Montague of Portland Street, Woolworth. I'm not going to give her entire address Of the address Montague away. House. Of the Montague House. Um, Laura uh, enjoys the show, listens regularly. Uh, it's constantly harassing me for a mention. And I'm not going to do it. Thrives on mentions. Thrives on mentions. She's getting a t-shirt. Um, but it was her birthday uh, this week. And I got her a present. Where'd you get her? I got her a book from work. What book is it? Uh, uh, Mr. Dog. I think you might have seen it. It's about the, uh, the uh, just terrifying looking dog. That it, and it's, the story's apparently this lovely one about how he meets a boy and becomes friends. But it we looks know like about dog phobia, Steve. So this is true. I wouldn't buy it for you. I wouldn't buy it for you. But uh, yeah, Laura... Um, I was trying to explain to her. She was giving me examples of how she could get mentioned on the show. And like one of them, she was like just so, uh, so, so sort of spurious. She was like, you mentioned Jim Davidson. My family loved Jim Davidson. Like we could work into the episode, the fact that Jim Davidson has fans in Lord's family. And I was like, I can't do that. I was trying to lead into an announcement there, Steve. You were. And I cut yeah. across it quite effectively, didn't yeah. I? Yeah. 
No one's. I was trying to get um, some free pies off someone for a sponsorship. That didn't work out. Trying to get a free haircut. I still haven't had a haircut. I mean, if you if this was a video podcast, people would be horrified <laughs> um, for a number of reasons. But what, Steve, if you've checked lately on the sponsorship and advertising page, I'm pleased to say we are available for after dinner speaking. So if anyone wants to get in touch, you know, for for rates. I like the fact that you've put me forward for after dinner speaking, and you're expecting me to find out by checking the sponsorship page on our website. You're not going to tell me. Nah. You're gonna, you did tell me, you did tell me. Obviously, we did a little bit of after dinner speaking ourselves, didn't we, last October? Did we? A couple of spe- speeches, didn't we? Where was this? My wedding, Steve. Oh, right. <laughs> See, what occasion was this? This is true, we did. Yeah. And we killed. Here is an illustrated summary of the news. It'll be followed by the latest film of events and happenings at home and abroad. The first headline I gleaned is... Actress selling nude pics to fund UK visit. Excellent. Where can we get them? You can see them. Oh, actually, yeah. They're for sale, aren't they? So, um, it's an amazing story overall. It's, and there is a South London link. This isn't just me uh, googling <laughs> nude pics <laughs> and just reading at anything that comes up. Um, a woman called Deborah Voorhees, which is not a common surname. Have you what ever country heard? is she from? She's Texan. Alright. Deborah Voorhees. V O R H W Alright, you get people look adding her on Facebook and stuff. <laughs> um but this is the interesting thing for me. Uh she appeared in Friday the thirteenth part five. I don't no. think I've seen any of the Friday the thirteenth films no. at all. I imagine part five is not the high watermark for the series. But this is what struck me just reading this story generally. The character, the villain from it, is called Jason, isn't it? Yeah. Jason, do you know his surname? Mm. Voorhees Voorhees is a surname in the in the oh, series okay, yeah. so her name in real life and it's not a common name Voorhees if it was like Jason Wilcox you know the <laughs> Blackburn winger yeah. I mean, if it was like a common name you go well that's a coincidence but you know there's a few of these people. how many Voorhees have you met I know two one is an actress who appeared in a film with a villain with mm. the same surname bizarre anyway she was um, an actress she did some nudity in Friday the 13th part 5 and had done some nude pictures for Penthouse around the time. Then she wants to become a teacher in Texas, which is all well and good, but when people in Texas find out you appeared in a film called Friday the 13th, Part 5, you get preachers turning up at the school to call you a Satanist. So now, she can't work as a teacher. They've obviously got so many teachers running around in Texas, they can afford to just throw away perfectly good teachers, because they made a film in 1989 that featured uh, boobs. Ridiculous. So now, uh, she wants to move to the UK to find work where she isn't tainted by accusations of Satanism. And well, she find... is now, if we talk about the podcast. Well, I think, I'd like to think uh, that the people of uh, South London are a bit more open-minded uh, about horror films and not thinking that she's a, a Satanist. There's a place called the Misty Moor Gallery, um, which is in the Ladywell Tavern, in Ladywell. And the owner of the pub and the gallery is a huge horror film fan and does screenings of horror films and has had exhibitions of work, paintings and whatnot by uh, famous horror directors and horror film directors and stars. And now he heard about the situation and is showing photos and obviously selling prints of photos of uh, Deborah Voorhees as nature intended. Hmm. That's a euphemism from 1970s tabloid newspapers. <laughs> um <laughs> And yeah, so that's that's happening in Ladywell at the moment. You can go and see nude pictures of an actress who wanted to be a teacher but couldn't because people think she's a Satanist. Lovely. News. 
I'm sitting there with a couple of copies of the Suffolk News. A um, few things happening. Presco on Southampton Way. Do you know them? T- uh, mini supermarket. Done. They've been banned from selling tobacco for four months. They're selling to a minor. I know it's disappointing, isn't it? The oldest woman living in London, 112 years old. Wow. She got burgled. She lives in South London as well. And her name's Grace Jones. <laughs> She's Cauc- looking well, isn't it? Caucasian, though. Ah, oh, that's a shame. Uh, Red Pla- Do you know Red Planet Pizza and Jasmine Garden Indian Restaurant? Or Thai? Indian or Thai? Just by the Bricklayer's Arms. Jasmine Garden means well. Campbell Green? Nah, Bricklayer's Arms. New Camera Road. Oh, right. Then I'm thinking of a different thing. Uh, the owner, he's been fined for uh, an infestation. Still open, though. Restaurant closed for four Still days open. last year. Yeah, yeah. Now they're open again. Yeah, a significant days. accumulation of dead and live cockroaches. Yeah, four days will do it, isn't it? Yeah, you never know about that. That's pizza, just so people know, Red Planet Pizza and Jasmine Garden on Bar... Is it uh, Bartholomew Street, I think it is? This is the flip side of the sponsorship. Uh, if you don't sponsor us, we'll definitely dig If you've out got your... cockroaches, don't sponsor us. Yeah, definitely. I don't want a free pie from uh, Cockroach Pies, Inc. <laughs> and from the cover of the Suffolk News, one of my favourite headlines in a long time. I'm going to have to show you the picture, Steve. Of course. Uh, Boss-eyed fire bandit bagged. <laughs> This is a real thing. Yeah, they got uh, the, um, this picture, which we'll put up on the website, um, is of the boss side's fire bandit with his eyes wide open. But obviously, they're not pup- his pupils are facing in uh, opposite directions. Did he burn down the wrong buildings? No. See, this is the story. You'd imagine he like did the place next door, though, wouldn't it? I'm going to make a point, Steve. Of I'm not going to be giving out anybody's names on it, right? Okay. For yeah. two reasons, yeah. One, if the crime is minor then I think it's kind of unfair how they tarnish people, give them their names and their addresses in the paper. Yeah. I think that can be a bit harsh. And if the crime is serious, I don't want them coming after me and burning my house down. Yeah, this is true. So. I've avoided that by avoiding crime as a subject. So. Right, this is how the, the article starts. Foul fire starter, 23 years old, who goes cross-eyed under stress. That's in quotation marks. <laughs> Basically admitted starting this fire during the riots last year. Oh, right. And, I mean, you've seen the burnout shop, I imagine, on Rye Lane. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Greg's. And it was a place called uh, Regan or Region uh, Lingerie. Yeah, next, a lot of people did next this. I think they, was like, they thought they were destroying like uh, DNA evidence, didn't they? Fingerprints and whatnot. They were like setting fire to buildings they wouldn't get. Yeah, he burnt, and people, you know, people lost their homes. Um, it's not just, a, say, a Tesco that got burned down, which I think we'd all welcome, given the uh, recent uh, employment news. Slavery, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Just so, if people need to be updated, they're essentially slave traders. Aren't they? Yeah, essentially. Yeah. But no, so this kind of independent business and people's homes were burnt down. And uh, he he denied it for a long time and eventually admitted it kind of at the last minute. Showed no remorse, the judge said. We talked about the civil unrest from last year on last week's show. And we made it more or less clear. If you're smashing up uh, pawnbrokers and loan payday loans and whatnot, I'm not going to cry for you. But any form of arson, if you're trying to set fire to a payday loans, unless you're like a professional Hollywood pyrotechnician, would that be a word? That's yeah, I reckon, yeah. Then I don't want you setting fire to anything because you can't control it. You can't guarantee to me... That well, someone died, didn't they? Was it in Ealing? This yeah. is it. So don't don't set fire to things. If you if you're you're upset about police tactics or uh, rapacious banks, that's all well and good. Put through a window, but don't put through a window. I'm not advocating that. But <laughs> <laughs> what about stray glass, Steve? 
<laughs> well, straight, they're stray glass and there's fire, you know, as I say. And this guy is a prime example, isn't it? You know, don't, if you're burning down flats, I don't care what point you've got, you know, you've lost all uh, moral uh, credibility, haven't you? The journalist refers to his giveaway eyes at one point in the... Uh, and, That's um, a beautiful song, isn't it? And acting detective Sergeant Jim Woods from Southwark Drugs and Firearms Team said, uh, basically, he was caught on camera setting the fire. He's got a scarf tied around his face. And uh, at one point, he looked directly into the camera. Or did he? <laughs> so the thing is, he's got a scarf around his face. But arguably, not arguably, it is his most distinctive feature... Of the eye, so really, all the scarf's doing is isolating his most distinctive feature in it. Why don't you wear some sunglasses? Yeah, keep the smoke out of your eyes as well. Little tip there for any uh, wannabe uh, cross-eyed arsonists out there. My next headline: um, Lambeth Council hope to get two point three million pounds for X squat. And this also refers to something we talked about last week, where uh, Wolfgang talked about the squat in Cold Harbour Lane that had recently been. Uh, cleared by the council and the police it's Clifton Mansions which was originally built in 1896 as a home for theatre workers at the nearby Brixton Theatre which is now uh, the Ritzy Cinema over the years it became a squat and has been a home to uh, Jeremy Della uh, who's a Turner Prize winning artist and the Pogues the Pope the Pogues mm. not the Pope that very much be... the Vatican of South London <laughs> um yeah, so Lambeth Council have reclaimed this property, uh, are selling it for £2.3 million. There's 16,000 people on the council's housing waiting list, and they're yet to confirm whether the property is going to be used for social or private housing. If they're selling it for £2.3 million, it's private housing, isn't it? Yeah, there's no Is that £2.3 million going into social housing? It's outrageous. It, it is outrageous. And as I say, uh, talking to Wolfgang last week, his uh, manifesto promise to discuss with squatting groups about the housing situation in London, again, just reinforced that, you know, something needs to be done, doesn't it? We're at a point where we've got homeless people, we've got empty spaces, and we've got councils reclaiming these spaces selling them on, taking the money and not guaranteeing the money for housing. So there's a situation there, isn't it? This, that's, you know, I'd like to call it unworkable, but it seems like for the council, it's really it's workable, workable, isn't it? Yeah. It's really workable. They're sort of like, yeah, well, this is definitely £2.3 million in the back pocket. And they'll be coming back later to another council finance question, which also uh, sort of you know, is a, a slightly disheartening given the situation in the country at the moment. I know you don't want to hear about crime stories, Steve, but I've got another one. It's all you got, isn't it? I like my favourite section is in the dock. This one, Steve, from yourlocalguardian.co.uk. The headline, Not My Drugs and Not My Trousers Explains Ex-Addict. <laughs> <laughs> right, this is a guy who in uh, Putney Heath, around that way, had uh, sex with a woman in full public view. Um, and he was searched. I mean, he got busted. Yeah. So searched by the police, obviously, and they found raps. Do you know what raps means? It's drugs. Just yeah. raps on raps on raps. <laughs> some like yeah, it's uh, you see it in uh, the wire, don't you? It's drugs prepared for sale, so they're wrapped in. Uh, so it could be or any paper. type of drug. Yeah. 
But yeah, he's picked up these uh, pair of combat trousers from outside a charity shop earlier that day. A charity shop in Tolworth. And he goes, his excuse was that there were too many pockets for him to check them all. <laughs> Famously with combat trousers. But yeah, he got cautioned for uh, outraging public decency. <gasps> the thing is, if you're going to get arrested for <laughs> anything, isn't it? And £125 fine for driving without insurance. Can I make a, a crass personal point? Yeah. I don't get no action, yeah? This guy's picking up trousers off the street, and on the same <laughs> day... I know, obviously, he yeah. isn't. That's not true. It's a lie, and he's trying to get out of the story. But I like the idea of someone finding some trousers outside a charity shop, wearing those same trousers on the same day, and then later on, a lady going, do you know what? This is the guy, in it. <laughs> I like those trousers. This is the one. Those, look at those trousers. He's got so many pockets. I bet he hasn't even looked through all of them. And he's like, I haven't. I haven't. God knows what's in there. Hopefully not drugs. I think I've got time to be looking through pockets. I'm too busy seducing women and outraging public decency. Here's a follow-up to the earlier story. Um, Lambeth Council, the same council, who uh, obviously have just made £2.3 million pounds, uh, on a, a nice housing deal for themselves. Lambeth Council spent uh, £9,000 planting five olive trees in Clapham. It's nice, isn't it? Wow. Yeah, it's a lot, isn't it? Are they for what are they for? Well, it's it's an interesting. It gets us into a wider question about gentrification. Um, some some more figures though, as well as the nine thousand pounds for planting five trees, it's also going to cost the council two hundred and seventy five pounds per tree per year in maintenance. Because the thing about olive trees is um, they're not natives to Clapham, are they? So I imagine you have to do a bit of work just to sort of keep them alive. Yeah. It's almost like it's a bad idea. That comes to £1,375 per year. So pretty much, I'm not sure what band that would be in, but someone's council tax in Lambeth yeah. is just going on uh, a, a grove of five olive trees. Are we even going to get a taste of the olives, Steve? I, mean, I don't live in that council. I, again, I'd assume in the, it's Clapham. Second pressing, at least. <laughs> they're not gonna, you're not going to get a crop, are you? In Clapham, I'd imagine. No, it's not, on, it's not in the Fertile Crescent, is it? No, no. Um, it's on Venn Street in Clapham, uh, which has a very popular farmer's market and apparently is a destination point for foodies. Is that where your friend Joel uh, he runs that farmer's it market in Clapham? Be. It might be, actually. The council's attempt at defence, and to me it's a terrible defence, is that in that area there's a number of Mediterranean bars and restaurants and therefore olive trees are in keeping in the character of the local area. And I was like, if they think... I was outraged at this point. I was Mm. like, if Lambeth Council think it's their duty to push along business for bars and restaurants using public money, ridiculous, isn't it? Outrageous. It It does happen, uh... but, you know, you can't be planting trees that are going to cost you, you know, a grand and a half a year to maintain. Why is it sensitive? They've got £2.3 million burning a hole in their pocket. This is the thing, isn't it? Um, let's get back to the 16,000 person wait, uh, housing list. Let's address, you know, real issues rather than going... Uh, the fact that anyone in the council put any thought... If you want to plant, definitely plant trees. I'm not saying it's not a job of a council to plant trees. The beautification of an area and the upkeep of an area, absolutely. Trees, wonderful. South London, obviously, with the massive area of Norwood and whatnot, there's, a you know, lovely open spaces. This is great. This is all to be commended. But... Don't start reflecting the Mediterranean flavour of Venn Street because you got, you know, a bar and a restaurant that you happen to like. Mm. Just That's probably what it is, isn't it? Someone it's at the exact, council it's exactly probably that, goes there regularly. Like, we'll still put a couple of olives. And, it, and it's, it's, it's the thing again where 
It's taking an area and going, do you know who's going to like this? Estate agents and accountants. So let's definitely get some... Uh... They'll probably be calling like Olive Grove soon, this isn't is, they? This is Where do you thing, live? Olive Grove near Clapham. Yeah, you know where those trees are? Those terrible trees that were drained on public resources. So yeah, you know, and this is what's killing me. You know, you've got councils, rightly at the moment, talking about the economic situation. And they're cutting back on, you know, refuse collection and jobs are going in councils. Let's not even get started on libraries, because at that point I'm going to start banging your table and breaking things. But you're closing libraries, but planting olive trees. Outrageous. The school's closed, the prison's open. I've got a couple of food-related stories, Steve. Very similar to the uh, Red Planet Pizza Jasmine Garden story. <laughs> Gross. Not quite stories, as bad. Yeah? Uh, Brixton Butcher, J.A. Halal, on Atlantic Road. Just quickly, is that a family name? No. Right, no, okay. It's, 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 um... Oh, J.A. would be the family name, and then Halal yeah, is exactly, the top. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was like, the Halal family? That's... Yeah. Dynasty. Dynasty. They've been fined £100 for selling mutton dressed as goat. That was the headline. <laughs> so no, it's, it's god meat. And uh, it's not goat meat at all. And the council went there three times. And each time they got... Uh, mutton. It's best be goat meat. The thing is, mutton's nice, isn't it? Just have some mutton. Goat's really nice, isn't it? Do you like curry goat? I've never had curry goat, actually. Oh, it's delicious. It's I so had some nice. mutton today, which was nice. But the with curry goat, I can't help thinking that what you might lose a little bit in flavour, you'd more than make up for in uh, not having sharp objects in your meal <laughs> by taking out all those smashed up bits of bone. Well, I know that's how you make curry goat. Do you know what I mean, though? It's a death trap. Um, they also failed to provide a slice thickness guard, putting staff at risk. Got £250 fine for that. Okay, that's good. Plus... My initial thing was, I know there's trading standards and description that, but again, I can't... I don't want council workers going around basically doing a food test. Yeah, of. why not? Just, but people should be able to get away with lying about the type of meat they're selling. If it's the difference between mutton and goat, yeah, I don't mind that at all. That's fine. £100 fine. That's not paying for like a day's wages for these people. They're going three times to get a £100 fine because someone's saying... Hold on. Plus, plus £2,878 council Ooh. plus and a £15 surcharge, which I assume is the equivalent <laughs> of booking fee, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> They're like, but I did it online. I paid the fine online. You still got to pay the surcharge. See, the thing is, when you're talking about um, guards missing from devices that endanger staff, absolutely, that is the job of the council. But I can't. I, I find it hard to get sort of. When I was a kid, my mum used to give us uh, horse meat. Say so it was chicken. Yeah. But you know, when I get a two foot drumstick, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's one of my dad's jokes. He always. <laughs> and that's why I'm laughing. Hey. Uh, my friend Brian. Um, when he was a kid, his mum used to give him tongue as a meal. As a meal. She's giving him licks. <laughs> but um, yeah, she'd make him like tongue sandwiches. And mm. he said at one point, he, he asked, he was like, when they say tongue, she went, nah, it's not really tongue, is it? And of course it is. So one day he opens up the freezer and finds a tongue in the freezer. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he was like, what is that? And his mum was like, tongue. And this was like, you know, five years later. And she, he was like, the tongue sandwich. Of course, tongue's tongue. <laughs> like, you told me it wasn't. She was like, "Come on, you believe that?" He was like, "Yeah." So, yeah, I was in Sainsbury's the other day. Someone was getting some tongue sliced up. Why would you? Probably so really nice, isn't it? Is it? I oh, couldn't good. get past it. I couldn't get past the idea of it being tongue, which is just me. Not being a foodie, are you? Not a foodie. This is why I get annoyed at trees being planted for these people. They're a separate race to me. I don't see anything in common with them. My other food story, Steve. You'll like this. Related to your old shop. Oh yeah. Co-op Royal Chip Lane. 
guy got arrested for nicking meat. I can tell a story about my time at... Regarding Nick uh, and me. Yeah, it really is. Um, it was Summerfield, on Lodge Lane when I worked there. Uh, golden Age, in a lot of ways. Um, and the manager at the time, as with most managers, forgetting about anything else, was obsessed with people taking too long in their breaks. <laughs> lunatics, actually, weren't they? They're, just, they're constantly obsessed with the idea yeah. that people working for them are trying to get one over on them by taking an extra two minutes on their break. Retail managers are literally the worst people in the world. They're just obsessed with time, aren't they? Just obsessed with time and like the fact that they're being... And the thing is as well, if it's your own business, you can understand it a bit because that money is literally coming out of your pocket. But if you're a manager for a chain supermarket, it's fine, isn't it? It's not even an issue. But this guy was so obsessed. He set a, a camera up outside the staff room so that he could watch when people went in the staff room and when people went out of the staff room, which is genius, isn't it? Because then he's got a little time clock in the corner. It's all fine. Yeah, and, foolproof. Know. Yeah. Except for the fact he took... Obviously, he can't go to head office and go, I need a new camera because everyone's skiving. So he took one of the cameras off the shop floor. <laughs> and he took the camera that pointed at the uh, meat chiller. So the first day... And the thing is... Here's the thing about shoplifters. They're uh, reasonably intelligent people. They know and, what they're doing. They're going with a strategy. Yeah, yeah and also... There's a there's a network, isn't there? They all know each other. You'd imagine. Do you know what I mean? There's like a, there's a community there. So the word's going to get out. You know Summerfield. Yeah. You not yeah. believe this. The first day, like, one guy came in and was seen. Uh, he just had a bin bag full of meat. <laughs> he basically just cleaned it out. Yeah. In a day, they lost three hundred and fifty pounds worth of meat. Pounds in weight. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Pounds and pounds. Uh, so. And I'm sure he probably caught someone taking five minutes extra on their break, saving the company 35 pence or something. But, you know, this is, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? So obviously within a week, uh, we've lost over a grand on meat and he's not really caught anyone taking more than a minute longer on their break. And then you just sort of point at your watch and go, my watch at half past. So it's not even a debate. So the the, um, the camera uh, goes back at that point. Uh, meat stop being stolen and people continue having one minute extra or less on their breaks. Status quo, no. The world still turns. Ridiculous, isn't it? The headline, my next story. The first part of it is a quote. Too old to stay up, is a quote. Too old to stay up owner is selling his two nightclubs. It's a guy who owns or runs Mass and Babylon in St Matthew's Church in Brixton. All right. Uh, and he's decided he's too old now to be running nightclubs. He's uh, he's just sick of it. How old he's is enough. He? I, I think it's age actually. I didn't write it down. I, did, I, I think I didn't write it down because once I read what his name was, I couldn't get past what it. What's his name? Stanley Chicksand. C H I C K S A N D. Mr. Chicksand. Mr. Chicksand. Yeah, I love that. Stanley's a good name generally, but Stan Chicksand. Great. He sounds like a club owner, doesn't he? But he sounds like a club owner from maybe the 30s. Stand checks out, something. Yeah, there you go, there you go. So yeah, um, he's closing the nightclubs because uh, he really can't be bothered staying up five in the morning to make sure everyone's left, essentially. Which is sad. Anyway. I've been to. Uh, well, someone's going to buy it, are they not? You'd imagine because the thing is, it's, it's really well established. They they do um, a lot of sort of big clubs like that. I've, uh, I've only been there once. Is it in the crypt? There, there's one in the crypt, and then there's one upstairs. I went to the one upstairs. Um, I've been in the crypt for a, uh, a christening. Oh, is it? Well, christening, um, you know, after party. Yeah, yeah. 
the my got curry goat on a christening dress like yellow stain on oh it I was like God. feeding a curry goat and it got on the christening dress man clots I know but how many times are you going to wear it you know what I mean <laughs> um, I went to uh, a dubstep night DMZ with uh, Ben Corbett and Phil Walsh it was Ben Corbett and Phil good not a good guess in it I know um, yeah it was uh, oh one of your other dubstep mates sorry <laughs> um Best moment of that night was when um, just the vision of I, 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 it was that night I, I started to call uh, Ben Caldwell the uh, dubstep tigger because uh, he hears a tune he starts bouncing around with a massive grin in his face he just he loves it uh, he's great Phil Walsh the dubstep eel <laughs> yeah well that night it was more uh, well no Daryl was sleeping through most of it rather than uh, Daryl was sort of like almost strategically sleeping he was like hibernating through the first half of the night. And then once he kicked in, I think he was just waiting for the right tune to come on. He just like leapt up and started jumping around. It was great. Um, but at one point, Ben was... I, mean, I saw him for the whole night with no less than two bottles of beer in his hand. So he was like, just constantly a bottle of beer in his hand. And he's like bouncing around. And uh, he's dancing right next to the uh, DJ booth. And this guy at one point just uh, kicks in the microphone. And he's like... Don't get beer on the dubs. Yeah. Don't get beer on... And that's what out like a public service announcement. Is that a sample? Just to stop. On the dubs. You could get a tune out of it. Seriously, you could get a tune out of it. But yeah, that's to do an announcement. That's to cut across the tunes because Ben Caldwell gets too excited about dubstep. Hmm. He'll love this shout out. I'm putting, putting his name on it. It's fine. This one, Stephen, might outrage you. I'm easily outraged. The Charter School, formerly William Penn in uh, Red Post Hill. Quite a good school now. Reopened in... Uh, about 2000, I think. Yeah, because William Penn had issues, didn't it? Wanley Road, a pedestrianised cut through of, uh, for Dog Kennel Hill and Champion Hill Estates. They've always claimed that it's not a safe walking route, right? Thus meaning that they don't have to uh, take kids from Champion Hill and Dog Kennel Hill Estate. So the catchment area then moves south towards the affluent Dulwich Village. Oh. And uh, yeah, the council <laughs> recently told them that that's unacceptable and that it is a safe walking route. Yeah. So now they're going to have to take uh, children from uh, you know less affluent backgrounds rather than just trying to socially engineer. When they say not safe, is it mountain lines? What is there? Yeah, is... exactly. I think it's, I think it's because it's pedestrianised, it kind of gives them an excuse to go, it's not a proper road, and then draw the map around it so they can have right. the kids they want, you know, the kids that couldn't get into our lanes and Dulwich College, oh, yeah, we'll have them. I like the idea of, uh, given that, you know, uh, people, ch- children in particular, coming home and going to school, being hit by cars is quite a big issue. That a pedestrianised road is somehow less safe. Yeah. There's not enough cars that could potentially kill the children, so it's not a safe... Of course, it's, it's definitely a safe walking route. Safer than most. Ridiculous, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But now they've been forced to... Uh, yeah, they've been forced to uh, stop... Accept everyone from the area into the school. They must be gutted, isn't it? Stop to... trying to chief off the working classes. <laughs> Dutty, isn't it? That's all I've got really, Steve. Plus uh, the headline, Beaten Up for a Banana. It was on the cover of the... Uh, That's a good headline, that. Something I started reading it, but it was just some story about someone getting beaten up for a banana, basically. And an orange. <laughs> and also, there's talk of uh, a Concorde being put on the South Bank, which would be quite exciting. I'd quite like to see A that. Concorde as in a supersonic plane? Yeah, because wow. it's... Um, London Eye is like the Concorde oh, London Eye. It's, it's not uh, the Concorde British London Airways. Eye. British Airways yeah. are the corporate sponsors for... So they're going to stick a Concorde next to that, between that and London Bridge. I've had brilliant. That's had That'd Namco. be amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I would love that. 
Well, I was reading this week about the last ever Concord flight. Jeremy Paxman, Jeremy Paxman, Jeremy Clarkson threw a drink over Piers Morgan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's on those flights where you go, can they both lose? Yeah, can they now, both fall out the plane? I can't, you know, I can't back anyone in this fight. The fact that both of those people were on the last Concord made yeah. me weak for humanity. Yeah, but it's sort of and I imagine Michael well, Winner was on there as well because he was constantly, <laughs> he was pretty on every Concord flight. He just loved Calm that. Calm down, dear. <laughs> My last big story. Um, and again, I was just drawn to it mainly for the headline, but then it becomes more ludicrous when you look at the story as well. The headline is, Does Cowboy Hat Man Know Anything About London Thames Boat Burglary? <laughs> uh, and I've got some of the blurb from the article. Um, that's a wordy headline, isn't it? It is a clunky headline. They've also just phrased Cowboy Hat Man. Uh, you know, that guy. Our people so, were fair and wore stars in their hair, but now they're content to wear sky in their brow. See your ex album with that. That's the whole title. Yeah, it? something like that. No one calls it that, do they? They call it that T Rex album. Yeah, this is this is the the leads that the police have got so far. Detectives want to talk to uh, the man filmed picking up a hat and wearing it for the forty five minutes he was on board. And the next sentence in the article is he took it off when he left. So their lead is we're looking for a guy that wore a hat once. <laughs> But he's not now. Yeah. Well, if you've got any information. Yeah, he hadn't worn it before, as far as I know, and he's probably not wearing it now. But if you knew a guy that at one point wore a hat and committed a burglary... Well, that rules both of us out, doesn't it? I've worn a hat. Have you? Yeah. Not a cowboy hat. I've never worn a cowboy hat. Have you ever worn a cowboy hat? My dad's got a cowboy hat he bought in Arizona. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What? Can you account for his movements on the <laughs> But the thing is, because my head's so big, when I put <laughs> when I put a hat on, I just look like Adebisi from Oz. <laughs> story that excited me and will probably annoy you is it the first one again about the naked pictures <laughs> <laughs> that's one about the man in the cowboy hat what does that say about me? <laughs> uh, um, the beast of Sydenham has returned beast of Sydenham is the most notorious of the big cat sightings that have uh, peppered South London over the last sort of 30 40 is years that a Sasquatch uh, it's a puma apparently a puma or Puma, panther, or jaguar are the best guesses. The most popular theory is it's, that... It's a house cat and people are liars. Is <laughs> one theory. There's also another theory, which I found quite fascinating. It was discussed uh, quite openly, if it, was, if it was a known thing. In 1976, up until 1976, you didn't need a licence to keep a jaguar, puma, or panther as a pet. And uh, in 1976, you did. And rather than get licences, people let them loose. The 1976 Dangerous Animals Act. There you go. Yeah. I came across that, funnily enough, reading um, the Bexley Times, right? Oh, yeah. Um, there's a guy up that way. Sig Cubs, that in Bexley? Yeah, it's around that one, yeah. Um, got fined £100 per alligator that he had in his flat. <laughs> <laughs> what was the total fine? £200. <laughs> <laughs> We'll never know how many alligators he had. I mean, it's, <laughs> uh, it's a puzzle. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, that's amazing. Uh, when you say alligators as well. They're only a foot long, though. The, um, the, the beast of Sydney, the idea is that in 1976, uh, the act came in, rather than get licenses, everyone in South London that owned a Puma Jaguar just let it go loose. And what's mm. running around now are descendants of these animals that are bred in the So world. there's more than one? Well, there's been a few sightings. One was by a policeman, which people seem to think uh, gave added credibility to the story, you know. <laughs> so yeah, there's um, uh, a panther wandering around Sydney, or Jaguar, or Puma, or all of them. 
You've never seen it. I've never seen it. No. Have you ever seen it? You'd, uh, you'd have mentioned it by uh, now, wouldn't you? No, I used to go to uh, my school, um, being just between Waterloo and uh, Blackfriars Bridges. London Nautical. London Nautical. You saw a Kraken. Very, now it's like a sports academy, maybe. Something like that. But at London the time, Nautical. Something like that, yeah. Swimming, isn't it? Not enough that nautical is not enough uh, of a specific type yeah, of school. Yeah, not specialist enough. <laughs> no, but it's like some kind of a sports academy, as a lot of schools are now. Like they're all like uh, under, underneath the sign up, so like science academy yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But we didn't have. We had such little facilities there. We had to drive to Sydenham on on a coach. I don't know how much that would have cost a school in like coach fares and stuff. And we used to use like a bank. I was going to say the name of the bank, but I don't want to advertise them. No, definitely not. Their playing fields in Sydney. We used to drive like 40 minute drive, 40 minutes back for games. The thing week. is, the fact that... Never saw a wild cat though. You can, you, you can make whatever point you like about society. But the fact that a school hasn't got playing fields and a bank does tells you <laughs> yeah. about the system that we've got in place at the moment. Why, why does a bank need play? It doesn't, does it? No. Just They're just obviously going, too much money. What can we, you know, we've got those olive trees. And, just, uh, and my school was in Lambeth, Lambeth uh, Borough as well. Telling, isn't it? Interestingly, Steve, the Suffolk Lambeth border goes through the school playground. Oh, wow. So you could do like a prime reading. I said interestingly, sort of... and I realised it wasn't interesting. Then you said, oh, well. So. It would be, no, I love these things. <laughs> I'd happily hop between uh, Lambeth and Suffolk <laughs> for an hour, quite pleased with myself. I did, I did playing Powerpool. <laughs> do you ever play Double Touch Powerpool? No, that's for losers, isn't it? The <laughs> thing is, I've never been so good at a sport as I have at Powerpool. Because look at the size of my hands, dude. That is amazing. It's like holding a tennis racket and everyone else punch. has got like a, a golf club. Um, vaguely South London related but I found my sport uh, this week I went to uh, it's in uh, South Croydon went with uh, some friends last Monday played Dragon Quest Adventure Golf which is essentially crazy golf but wow. themed around like uh, dragons yeah so it's like four blokes on half term wandering around with all these kids and families people are just staring it's just uh, but it's fine eight quid so it's quite steep but I'll tell you what. How long were you on there for? Uh, it's, uh, I suppose about an hour. Because you do, yeah. it's like banter and whatnot. It's obviously, each hole, you can just sort of like plug for it really quickly. You have to factor banter in, don't you? You have to factor the banter. On a day out. I mean, you know, not wanting to name names, but try and put the ball in a water hazard on a crazy golf course. This is uh, embarrassing. Was it it's called just, like the lake of... Uh, it's not a lake, it's just a, t- it's a little... No, I know, but you know what I mean? Are they not jazzing it up? No, there was no... Uh, no. you said it was some kind of dragon god. Oh, there was, but they, they, they're not... This is the thing, it was such an insignificant water hazard, they didn't even label it. That's how bad it was. It was basically just this... Uh, there's a little ramp, and all you've got to do is hit the ball normally, it goes over it. But Brian had seen Dave shot beforehand and thought there was some sort of trick to run up, yeah, and just sort of dropped it in the water. Ridiculous. You know, that's a water trap that's designed to, you know, catch out a six-year-old. And uh, an adult, age 36, managed to get caught out of that. This guy... Two shots a hole. One hole I did like five on, but apart Birdie. from that, I'm, I'm getting holes in one. I'm um, a natural adventure golf. I don't know if it's in the Olympics. I know you've got your issues, but... Well, Powerball's not, is it either, so... No. There's a lot, a lot, of, uh, a lot of things The Lamb of Country Show? Do you know about this? Brockwell Park? No. It's the thing they've done every year for the last, last years. I went a few years ago. Watch some sheep shearing. Which was uh, <laughs> did, yeah. um, wonderful moment where the guy's obviously he's a sheep shearer, he's not thinking twice about it, but he just like one point just <laughs> but he just like Next. flipped this uh, ram over 
and uh, sure it wasn't grabbed his junk and moved it to one side oh. to sort of work around it. And but it's just the way he did it. I like gasped. We just gasped involuntarily. And I was like, but for him, it's just another day at work, isn't it? Yeah. It's he just didn't like accidentally wander over to the. Uh, Chris... <laughs> Why is he walking like that? I'm free and I'll ever be. Um, yeah. Initially, Lambeth Council, you know, they're getting a lot of stick from us tonight, and rightly so because uh, they're doing some awful things. They cancelled Lambeth Country Show. And the given reason was security concerns with the Olympics. And I don't know if that means that the police won't be able to be there because they've got to be in East London. I mean, that would be dreadful if that's true. Yeah, that's awful. The idea that the police are being pulled away from areas to yeah. all just go and flood one area. Um, so, yeah, they've, they uh, announced it was going to be postponed for the year. Uh, an online petition, like we retweeted the petition because you know, we're active in the community in South London. And now, and I'm making it sound like now because we've done that, but now... Uh, <laughs> As a uh, they, direct result of... They've, they've announced, yeah, our, our long-term campaign of pressure <laughs> has finally paid off, and they've announced that there may be a smaller version uh, of it. But I was like, if the Olympics is going to start impacting on the Lambeth Country Show, then thanks. But Something's gone very wrong. I read a headline that was deceptive. You're, you had a £10 headline that was deceptive in that. Uh, you, you didn't think the story sort of like followed up as well with the, the mugging for an apple, was it? A banana. No, I mean, it was banana. fair enough, yeah. but it just weren't that interesting once yeah. you read on. It's one of those things where you go, it's scared, bit, a little bit scaremongering, isn't it? Yeah. To go, you might get beaten up for an item of fruit. Which is, <laughs> you know, I'm not saying the guy made it up, but no, no, you but... kind of, you just sometimes think, is there more to that? I mean, there obviously is. Even if it's not related to the guy, there obviously is more to that story. I read a headline that said council paying £10 for every complaint they receive and I thought that's good money (laughs) (laughs) five complaints a day but then reading about the story it's just the administrative costs of have you thought about working that line into your stand up routine I've got such a strong hour I don't think I need to sort of water it down with uh, stuff about council complaints this is kind of uh, I don't know if this makes the paper Steve I'm assuming not but are you familiar with the Woolworth Now and Then Facebook group I am a recent uh, member of. Yeah, you were perusing the um, the book that uh, it kind of spins off of. Yeah, your dad's got some brilliant books about war, hasn't he? Yeah, he's a big he's a big player on the group. Oh yeah, no, he's and huge, huge. He, he put up a a, a a short post and a picture of um, the East Street Market slash East Lane blue plaque, yeah. which is obviously it's uh, yards away from. Um, from the Charlie Chaplin East Street plaque and saying that it had been put up 15 months ago and there was still masking tape around the plaque. <laughs> I saw that, yeah, yeah. And, um, <laughs> they're not sure if they're going to keep it. <laughs> well, since then, him and uh, Darren Locke, author of uh, Wharf Now and Then, yeah. which you can get from, uh, I don't know where you can get it from. Go to their Facebook group, I'm sure they'll tell you where you can buy it. Darren Locke, from. I'm pretty sure, will have copies. Yeah, they'll have copies, wouldn't he? Yeah. yeah, they took the ladder, got borrowed a ladder from somewhere. Went down to uh, East Street, 8 o'clock in the morning, took the masking tape off. Brilliant. So, community in action, isn't this it? Is, this is what it should be about, isn't it? You, you asked earlier what the show should be about. It should be about discussing these things and empowering people and getting people excited about... Well, I'd like to think in a, in a, in a, uh, I'd like to think in a metaphorical way, we're removing masking tape and blue plaques of every episode. Just It's a single tear on in that machine. That's such a beautiful idea. Forget about it's the living lick. <laughs> South London hardcore removing masking tape from the history of South London. 
removing the masking tape. That's what we're doing. That's a t-shirt right there. When we get the t-shirts made, removing the masking tape. Indeed. None of these stories quite as big as the London mayoral race, which we spoke about last week. At Wolfgang Moneypenny on the show. At Free South London. At SLHC Podcast. That's us. Yeah. SouthlandHardcore.com. Get that out of the way. Find us on Facebook. Search for Southland Hardcore. On iTunes, I discovered this uh, listening to one of our own shows, which is horrible, and I apologise. But <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact. I think you only have to get up to like South Space L. Oh, up it pops. Really? So, yeah, it's great. You tutor some children on a Sunday, Steve. I do. Every other week. And their homework for this week is... I asked them what they would do if they became Mayor of London. And what did they say? I mean, obviously, Wolfgang Moneypenny, he had many things. He's going to be closing down tube lines. Yep. Um, Counselling the Olympics, I think. Yep. Well, after some detailed discussion, we came up with some policies relating to transport, litter. They had some ideas about um, events for the Olympics and the Queen's Diamond Jubilee. But the first response I got from Previn to what would he do if he became Mayor of London was that he would get a golden toilet. <laughs> it's amazing that. That's uh, yeah. his first thought. What, what does he equate How old with? is he? He's eight years old. And he equates uh, politics and uh, representing constituents in a parliamentary democracy or, you know, indeed a, a, a mayoral uh, race. Then he'd get his moat cleaned. <laughs> <laughs> What's the first thing you'd do, Steve? I don't know about first thing. I, I would argue, uh, and it's similar to what Wolfgang was talking about last week. I mean, it's more my theory about what it was. I'd, I'd like the idea of uh, separate nationhood for South London. Or indeed, like, di- different areas of London. You know, the People's Republic of South London, respectfully requested. I've got to say, I'm not sure the Mayor's got that kind of power, but... Trust me, when I'm in, <laughs> you take the power, yeah? I've listened to Public Enemy. It's fine. It's probably not the answer you're looking for, but I would try and establish, uh, you know, passport to Pimlico, Napoleon of Notting Hill. Some of my favourite works of art ever are about uh, small pockets of London declaring their independence. What would you do if you were Mayor of London? Probably put this on the radio. <laughs> you got my vote. <laughs> <laughs>